Hello and welcome into a special edition of the VR2 on SI podcast. I'm Matt Ray, all alone today. No Jake Nichols, no Jack Foster, but I do have a special guest, the Tennessee offensive lineman Parker Ball with me to discuss the new NIL, the new era of college football. Parker, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about the opportunities um, that we have in front of us using NIL and uh you know, look forward to it. Certainly. So, talk. you know, just talking about that, the excitement, um, I mean, when you get on social media right now, you can't scroll more than a couple of tweets, a couple of Instagram posts without seeing something about the NIL. Somebody's doing something. Somebody's announcing something. You've had a couple of announcements on your own so far. We'll talk a little bit about that. But how exciting is this as a student athlete to get to experience this and it actually be reality now? Man, it's one of the craziest times to be a college athlete. Um, it's super exciting. I feel like it's a long overdue, but it was well worth the wait. Um, you know, the best part's being able to go down your timeline and seeing your own teammates, um, other kids in your conference, other kids all across America being able to finally profit off their name, image, and likeness. Um, and I feel like it's a big step forward, and, you know, it's a lot of exciting things to come for us. Absolutely. You've hopped on a couple of opportunities already yourself. You you threw a tweet out for Alan Bell of 247 Sports and you announced, um, you made a post for the Extra Point newsletter. Talk to me about those opportunities. What did it mean so early on to get those opportunities? Because some guys across the country haven't you know, had an opportunity yet. So what did it mean for you to get those opportunities early on? Yeah, it was a blessing. I think it's, um, it's a good thing to, you know, go ahead and start early and kind of get a jump start. Um, I was grateful enough to connect with Alan Bell and Matt Brown, who uh, writes Extra Points Newsletter. Um, they actually reached out to me. We had some great conversations and um, were able to strike a deal on what we both needed to do. Um, I felt like it's so mutually beneficial for everybody. Um, you know, on our end, of course, we're getting paid for our name, image, and likeness. But on the other end, man, it's just promoting businesses, um, uh, trying to get engagements on the tweets and allowing a uh, a new variety of people to see uh, certain businesses. So, you know, it's exciting and um, it's a great start to start building your brand. Absolutely. You announce, you know, you put out the post about extra points newsletter and at the end you throw out subscribe using promo code Parker ball. Did it kind of set in for you at that point? Like, wow, this is, this is pretty real now. Um, yeah. You know, you know, it's, it's exciting to, um, to actually be able to do that, um, to be able to put my name out there to get, a discount on a, a newsletter that I actually found very interesting. I had the the, um, the honor, the privilege to be able to read it um, for free beforehand to make sure it was something that I would, didn't mind endorsing and promoting. And, um, and, you know, I was very excited about it. And so it was, it was great to be able to put my name out there and uh, create a discount for people and, you know, um, be able to get paid in return. Certainly. When you talk about being able to read that newsletter ahead of time and make sure that's something that you want it to endorse, you're being very selective in this process. Tennessee has been proactive in preparing you guys. How do you, you know, you've had these early opportunities. You felt pretty prepared coming in. What is next for you? You know, what are you hoping to do with your brand and moving forward? You know, um, I'm looking to, you know, continue to reaching out to um, other companies being able to promote stuff for them. But like you said, I am going to be very selective. Um, you know, our uh, compliance through UT and we had a company that they have contracted out 
um, to be able to talk about NIL. Kind of hit on the stuff that we need to be looking out for. Um, you know, as, as crazy as it is, not everybody is in it for the benefit of the student athlete or themselves. Um, so, you know, being, being very selective, but continue to build my brand, uh, let people know really who I am and what I endorse. And uh, just being able to help other people, you know, it's a, it's always great for us um, now that we're able to get paid. But I really enjoy the fact that I'm helping other people um, not only create my brand, but to promote their businesses and, you know, help them out in the long run. Absolutely. Parker, a lot of exciting things coming for you today. A lot of exciting things in the past week. You're, you know, doing the fitted shoots with your teammates, your senior teammates around you succeed. Um, you're getting ready for the season. Got a week break here we really appreciate you for joining us on this special edition as always continue to follow parker on twitter he's going to have more exciting stuff coming down the line parker thanks again hey thank you guys for having me as always go vols Hello and welcome into another edition of Rocky Top Rewind presented by VR2 on SI. I'm Matt Ray, joined by Jake Nichols and Brandon Martin. Jake and Brandon, since the last time we were on here last Wednesday, there's been a lot of news break around the Tennessee football program, around Tennessee athletics in general. They've played a basketball game that people, uh, I think, have tend, tend to forget about right now with everything that's going on, but we'll go back to the to the biggest news of all to start off, and that's the hire of Josh Heupel. Brandon, you know, we we tried our best to stay on top of this coaching search from start to finish, and you know it didn't matter who you talked to. There was rumors out there. There was all kinds of speculation out there. You could talk to people, you know, 30 minutes, and, and something would change. Josh Heupel, he just kind of came out of nowhere, but it – it seems to make sense for a lot of reasons. You know, give me your initial thoughts on the hire and, and what you think about Josh Heupel moving forward for Tennessee. I think Heupel makes a lot of sense for Tennessee with, with what they were looking for. If you're Tennessee, I think he checks all the boxes that you're looking for. You wanted somebody who is an offensive-minded coach, and Heupel has been, whether as a player or a position coach, or as a coordinator or as a head coach for the last 20 years, he's been a part of some, he's either been playing in designing or calling some of the most high powered offenses in the NCAA. And when you go back to some of his, the offenses he called at Oklahoma, you're talking about some of the most high, some of the most potent offenses in NCAA history with, with a few of those out there. Uh, so he's definitely an offensive-minded guy. He has developed players. Uh, you're talking about a guy who has uh, worked with Jason White, who won a Heisman. He was the offensive coordinator for Sam Bradford, who won a Heisman, number one overall pick. Uh, worked with Landry Jones as a position coach and, and an offensive coordinator. Jones got invited to the Heisman ceremony, still uh, ranked in the top ten in NCAA history and all-time passing yards. That Oklahoma offense was prolific. Uh, he had success at Utah State, again, with Chucky Keaton. He was able to be the guy that uh, recruited Bryce Love there, who's the first-round pick with the Packers. Then he went on to Missouri. Uh, the Tigers had a top-ten offense, both in the nation, both years that he was there. 
uh, developed Drew Locke and a lot of the weapons that the Tigers enjoyed during that time. And then at UCF, uh, McKenzie Milton, before he got injured, was getting some Heisman buzz down there. And they've been a top 10, top 10 offense in the nation the whole time he was there. So he's experienced. He's got Power 5 experience. He's got SEC experience. He's developed players. He's offensive-minded. The offenses have been good everywhere he's gone. And he's got head coaching experience. And not only has he got head coaching experience, he's got a lot of head coaching experience where he has been a winner. And he's won a lot of a lot of all games at UCF. And he knows how to be a head coach. He knows how to be a successful head coach. Uh, you, you know, there were, there were a lot of people uh, and a lot of pushback from the fan base that, that weren't necessarily happy with the hire. And I understand maybe the fan base wanted something a little more splashy or some or, or a name, but... When you look at Heupel's resume, I mean, it, it ticks every single box that Tennessee set out to fill. He does everything Tennessee needed him to do. He's a young guy. I do think his staff's going to be important. Who he, who he hires for a staff is going to be important, particularly on defense. Uh, I think he needs to get some guys that have got some experience recruiting the SEC. But the guy's resume speaks for itself. He's been extremely successful everywhere he's been, whatever level, level of talent he's had. Uh, he's been extremely successful, especially on offense. He's put a bunch of guys in the NFL, not just quarterbacks. A lot of guys where he was offensive coordinator, you have seen multiple positions go to the NFL, go high, but especially the quarterbacks. They've been he, – he is a quarterback developer. That's his bread and butter, and he's excelled at it. So if you're Tennessee – Maybe you wanted a name. Maybe you wanted something splashy. I don't know. I, I don't really see how you can be upset with Josh Heupel because he, he ticks every box that we talked about Tennessee needing before this. And and you've got a potential, I think, from depending on how the roster shakes out, to be pretty good early. Um, we've talked a little about that, Matt. Well, yeah, we have talked a little bit about that. And, you know, <clears throat> obviously I think, Josh Heupel had a lot of things working in his favor. Jake, one of them being that he had a previous relationship with Danny White. It was easy for Danny White to sell him probably to the team when it came to the point that this was going to be his job. We know Tennessee was extensive and expansive in their search trying to find a, a proven head coach, a guy that was, was a sexy hire. But when you look at Josh Heupel for a lot of different reasons, he has – you know, he has the ability to be that sexy hire. I think when you see Tennessee playing at warp speed, um, especially in those first three games that they have to start the season next year, they should really put up some points offensively and really generate some excitement. And coming, you know, working through the hopple hire here, that's something that we've seen, you know, from this team is, is a lot of excitement. At any point, Jake, you know, over the last, couple of years and not to bash Jeremy Pruitt's staff um you know they've they've received their fair share of criticism in a lot of ways and a lot of it very warranted but um, do you remember a team you know being this excited you know motivating each other the way they were in, in some of those workout videos over the last two to three years it seems like there, there's definitely been a drop off on that end and it looks like Josh Hoppel has has some guys really inspired to to play his brand of football yeah, you know, I think you hit on that really well, Matt. Um, you know, starting off, I think, like you said, that that whenever Tennessee kicks off against Bowling Green, that we're going to see a lot of offense very fast, especially with the arsenal of quarterbacks that Tennessee has. 
But, you know, especially with guys like Harrison Bailey, you know, you look in that workout video and then in the reaction videos of players from just how they've liked Hypel so far, and it has been nothing but positive. You know, you, you see the leadership from Bailey in the workout video. You see Alante Taylor yelling encouragement to different guys and just all around the, the workout facility there, the Neyland Thompson Sports Complex, guys look excited about this hire and they've really portrayed that um, on social media as well. And so, you know, I really think it speaks to um, speaks to the culture change that Bailey alluded to in the locker room and just kind of how there's been a switch flipped um, from the energy that has occurred inside Tennessee's locker room and, and just how that'll um, play itself out, you know, over the next few months as we go into practices and, and stuff like that. But right now it seems like the reaction has been nothing but positive from players and, you know, as, um, as fans have reacted, you know, it, it hasn't all been positive. And obviously Danny White's commented on that, but, you know, like you said, he, he does check all the boxes and if the players are this excited, then I think that should shed some positivity on the hire as a whole going forward, even if he's not, you know, kind of right out of the gate, that sexy name that you wanted. But, but like you said, that he could put up some big numbers early and really start to convince people that he is the right guy for this job. Well, I mean, when you look at it, you know, Tennessee, it's been, it's been months of, of bad news for these Tennessee players. I mean, right. they battled through a, a COVID riddled season that obviously didn't turn out the way that they wanted it to um, losers of, you know, seven of their last eight ball games. They're under investigation. Their head coach is fired. Several, you know, m- multiple position coaches are fired. Their world slipped upside down. They're left, you know, for a while without a lot of answers. And, you know, you you see your friends leaving the program. For me, for Josh Heupel to, you know, I, I had a lot of people tell me, oh, well, there's always a new energy when a coach, a new coach comes in. Well, yeah, generally that is true. But for these guys, it would be, you know, in today's world, for, for the players that are left, it would be, you know, enough to just say, I'm going to do what it what it takes to get through right. and, and let that be that. But that, that's not what we've seen out of this Tennessee team. And, you know, talking about some of those players, Brandon, that, that have left the program, uh, mainly all headed to Oklahoma so far, um, you know, there are some big losses there, but, you know, none that, that were very expected. We we knew Keyshawn Lawrence, you know, had his irritations from, you know, at different times throughout the season. We knew that Eric Gray was, you know, courting Oklahoma and Texas behind the scenes. We knew that Wanya Morris was, you know, looking to go to an offense where he could grow as a uh, a pass protector. So, you know, when, when you look at what the transfer portal's done to Tennessee, there's been some big losses, but, you know, what, what do you think? What do you think to this point is is the biggest transfer portal storyline? There's one guy that's hanging out that we've heard some positive buzz about with Tennessee that that's really weighing his option there and Henry Toto. Not sure which way he will end up going, but you know, what do you think the biggest portal storyline is for Tennessee to this point? The biggest loss to me is still Wanye Morris. Uh, Wanye was was the the left tackle uh, there there seems to be this uh, I guess narrative that Wanye didn't particularly play well or that Wanye wasn't a, a big loss 
this kid was your starting left tackle from the day he stepped on campus. He was a freshman All-American, and he played in every game where he was healthy to play at, at left tackle and played well. And people said, well, he, he got burned on, you know, he got burned on in pass protection quite a bit. Yeah, he did. And when every defense you're playing knows you're going to run up the middle the first two plays and it's third and nine with a quarterback who holds the ball too long for most of the season and won't throw it and let it go, uh, you give up sacks. That's what happens uh, when you have a quarterback who, in a situation where defense knows they're going to, knows they can bring pressure, doesn't help your line by getting the ball out quickly. Yeah, you, you're going to give up a lot of sacks when you have a, a really poorly called offense and when you have consistently third and longs. Yeah, it, it, it's a struggle for your offensive tackles to look to look good in pass protection. Now, now Morris could have done some things to improve, and he had room to grow, but you're losing your starting left tackle, and you were losing the guy who was solid on that line, and you're losing the guy that was really popular in the locker room, and I think Wanye going to Oklahoma is probably part of the reason you've seen so many Tennessee guys wind up at Oklahoma because he was so important in his recruiting class. In that 2019 class, he was – he we talked about it uh, multiple times. He was probably the most important guy in that 2019 class in terms of holding it together and recruiting other guys and being the, the centerpiece and the foundation of it. So that that's a huge yep. loss, and then obviously you lose a guy like Eric Gray, and that that that, that that's a huge loss production wise. He was the face of your offense. He's a fantastic, uh, fantastic kid, good young man. Uh, played lights out every time they put him put him on the field. That hurts. Key Lawrence hurts. Uh, Oklahoma had wanted him badly in his initial recruitment. That did everything they could to flip him, and with as thin as Tennessee is at corner, and with with Key's ability to potentially play corner or free somebody else at safety up to go play corner because he could fill that safety spot, that stings even more. But 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 losing Wanye to me is still the the biggest loss in the port. Yeah, I agree. I mean that was the that was your that was your big time recruiting victory in the 2019 class. It wasn't just you know a, a normal victory. You beat you know a few teams that were you know, national players that really wanted him. You put a guy that stayed at Georgia, a five-star, a household name, and like you said, you know, he was he was key in locking that, you know, helping lock that class down. He helped bring guys like Jalen McCullough and Warren Burrell and Ramel Keaton here. Um, you also look and, and you have, um, you know, Darnell Wright in that class at the five-star tackle and was rated even higher than Moynihan, but that wasn't, that wasn't such a recruiting battle. That was one of the worst kept secrets in recruiting that year was that Darnell Wright was coming to Tennessee. Folks just had to wait until February for him to officially announce it and sign the papers. But, you know, there's going to be opportunities out there for Tennessee in the transfer portal. And, you know, obviously they've lost some more guys, some specialists in Brent Samaglia, who's, who's had, you know, his you know fair share of doubt about his future with the program and how things are going to go moving forward. You lose Joe Dole, who – you know, had some success early in his career as a punter, but, you know, hasn't been able to, um, you know, rebound really. He entered the transfer portal at one, at one point before. So, you know, it's, the, the transfer portal is going to change the, you know, landscape of college football. I've, I've said that for a while, and I 
I continue to believe that. But Jake, um, one thing with the transfer portal is you can go in and you can come back out. There's a couple of guys now that on Tennessee's former from Tennessee's former coaching staff that we know aren't coming back, and that's Jim Chaney and Chris Winky. And and it doesn't come with much surprise as we knew that that Josh Hobble was going to bring his you know coaching staff with him. But when you look at you know, Jim Chaney and Chris Winky's time in Knoxville, um, it it wasn't you know very very productive overall. Um, Jim Chaney, you know, received a lot of criticism for how much he made and how little he did. Chris Winkie was never a fan favorite. But looking at, you know, what Josh Hopple's going to do moving forward, you see some youth. You see Joey Housel. You see Alex Golesh. These guys are, you know, fiery young guys. How how important do you think that is for Josh Hopple when you're going to install this warp speed offense to bring in your guys and especially some young guys that can invigorate and 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 get these guys to buy into what they're doing. I I think it's vital because, like you said, Matt, you know the the young fired up guys is what's going to really help um, push this program around. First of all, because you know you've got that motivation factor in having you know just a new fresh group coming in, and you know these players dealt with years of. Jim Chaney and Chris Winkie, like you said, just just not getting the job done. And so even just new faces would bring some level of excitement. But the fact that they're coming in to completely revolutionize this Tennessee offense and to really get it um, kind of along the um, along the tracks with the rest of college football offenses, I think it's going to make for some really exciting football to watch. You know, you've got guys like like Jalen Hyatt on the perimeter. And with that kind of production, you know, I think that we could see a lot of uh, a lot of fun from this Tennessee offense early. But but like you said, just, you know, just um, going through with the lack of success that Chaney and Winky had and just kind of having to constantly go back to, you know, frankly, that tired offensive play calling and, you know, the the bad decisions from the quarterback room that I think that they're going to be really glad to kind of have that behind them and to move forward with a fresh staff, whatever that looks like, just because it seemed like a lot of guys had, had gotten tired of just that same old, same thing with, um, with Jeremy Pruitt's staff. Yeah, absolutely. And Brandon, you touched on this at the first of the podcast here, but for, for Josh Oppel, the assumption was kind of always he was going to bring his guys from UCF that he trusts and knows to – install his offense and you know Josh Levy was obviously an easily identifiable offensive coordinator candidate but he's you know going to be one of the guys that is you know in the running and if not the top candidate to replace Hopple at UCF so you know we know he's not coming to Tennessee at this point but we you knew that that Hopple was going to bring his guys that that he's worked with and, and get this offense installed but when you look at the defensive side of the ball you know, we're monitoring, you know, those coaching decisions carefully and, and trying to figure out what's going on. And, and there's been a lot of news out about Kevin Steele, and it's changed almost, you know, day by day, hour by hour. Um, you know, you, you hear at one point that the that the proposed marriage between Heifel and Steele may not work out, but, you know, he is contracted for $900,000 for two years, and, and Tennessee's still talking to him and trying to, 
retain him in in some you know form or manner. So you know at at this point in the game, you know whether it, it it doesn't have to be defensive coordinator even, but how important do you think it is for Tennessee to try to retain Kevin Steele and, and keep him in Knoxville and just have that veteran SEC recruiting and coaching experience, you know, on on the staff there. I think Tennessee needs to find a way to keep Steele as defensive coordinator. I, I know you want to keep him on the staff, but I could, there's only one name I can think of that I would maybe go after as a defensive coordinator over Steele, and it's a little bit of an out-of-the-box box move, and he doesn't have anywhere near the experience calling defenses that Steele does. And I think if you wanted to maybe try to go get Gerard Mayo – and I know he had some. He had he was interviewed for several NFL head coaching jobs, but he's still not a defensive coordinator. So potentially that's a phone call you could make uh, about a coordinator job. Maybe get him a promotion. Might be something he's interested in taking. Maybe you know maybe willing to leave the NFL for for the for the upgrade as as a coordinator. But I, I can't really see anybody else where. Steele's not your defensive coordinator, especially if he's on this staff. He's just he's run so many outstanding defenses for so long in the SEC. Uh, that Auburn defense was always tough. They were always stout. They were good up front. They were creative. And, and I think this is going to be really important. Steele ran good defenses with a warp speed offense. It's one thing – you have to call a defense differently when you're playing with an offense like Josh Heupel wants to install. But Auburn under Gus Malzahn went fast. Now, it was a lot more run where Heupel's going to throw more, but Auburn still went fast. Auburn wanted to get as many snaps as they could. They wanted to go quick. They wanted to get as, to press and get as many plays in as they could on offense – and that inherently makes a defense struggle because your defense is on the field more. Uh, you, you've got to have guys conditioned. And when your offense scores that many points and your offense scores that quick, you also are giving your opponent more chances. And the more chances an offensive coordinator has to see a defense and to work at it, the more chances they have to find an opening or find a weakness or get a bust in coverage or have something go their way. So the more snaps your defense is on the field for, the more the more chance you've got to give up points. And Steele has been a really good defensive coordinator, an elite defensive coordinator in the SEC for a long time with a high-speed offense. And I think that's really important. That's something that Heupel has. And then I think Heupel could lean on. And then you get to the matter of Heupel is a – or excuse me, that Steele is a Tennessee graduate. And Steele is – noted as one of the better recruiters in college football. Uh, Tennessee has lost a lot of guys to the transfer, transfer portal that we just talked about. They had some guys wanting out of their NLIs. They've got an opportunity with, with the landscape of college football right now and, and the landscape of recruiting. If they can put a staff together quickly with some established recruiters who maybe have got relationships with some of these guys up in the air, Tennessee could actually make a real nice push here at the end and maybe finish with a pretty strong class. And I think a guy like Kevin Steele is, is important to that. 
I think a guy like Kevin Steele also maybe helps you get some established assistants to come beyond this staff that are good developers of talent as well as good recruiters. And, and it makes it easier for Heupel to install this offense when he's got someone there who understands how to put in a defense in the SEC, how it needs to work, how he needs to recruit. Uh, I think Steele is a guy Tennessee needs to keep. Uh, I'll also say this, though. If I was Tennessee, I, if, if he's not happy here and just suddenly doesn't want to coach under Heupel, um, I'm not paying him $900,000 for two weeks' work to, to walk away because he's not happy. He knew the situation he was coming into. He knew that there was a potential for Pruitt to be to be fired. He had to have been discussed that if, if it came to that, he was going to be the interim, the interim head coach, and that was a, a potential spot for him, and that he may not get the head coaching job. If you're unhappy and you want to go somewhere else, I mean, you – you know, we can work something out to let you do that, but I'm not going to fire you and pay you nearly a million dollars when you're under contract and I need you and could use you just because you don't want to be here. Uh, and I think that's going to be interesting to watch. If if Steele can decide that he can make this work, he'd be a huge asset for Tennessee and the Heupel. I think people feel a lot better about that hire. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, on the, on the installing of the defense, when you look at, you know, what Kevin Steele has done at Auburn, uh, he, he and Jeremy Pruitt worked hand-in-hand hand together for, for a long time. I mean, Pruitt was Steele's graduate assistant at one point. So, you know, they they have a lot of the same tendencies and philosophies, and you look at the recruiting trail, they have battled, you know, on the recruiting trail. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can think of Jay Hardy, Byron Young, Omari Thomas, um, Owen Papo. You know, guys that they they have battled for, and, and they recruit they recruit a similar style of player at all of their positions. So you know, it may it would make it that much easier for Tennessee's defense to to transition and you know work under um, it, work towards what Josh Hoppel wants to do from an offensive standpoint. That's going to put them on the field so much more defensively, but. You know, Jake, let's let's switch gears here and, and get off of Hopple and his potential staff moves because there's there's just so many things we're watching there with with T. Martin's contract set to expire tomorrow, Joe Osave remaining on staff. What is Kevin still going to do? Who's coming in as remaining defensive assistants? We've heard you know a few um, defensive assistants from UCF, you know their name thrown around. We know that Corey Bell, the cornerbacks coach, is open to coming. We have to think Willie Martinez would be too, um, but. You know, talking about that recruiting trail, Josh Hopple wasted no time in reaching out to several of the key 2022 in-state recruits. He talked about it in his introductory press conference, and he hit the ground running. You know, he's in contact with Ty Simpson, Walter Nolan, Dylan Hayden, Cam Miller. For me, I, I want to ask both of you guys this, and I'll give you my opinion first. Um, it's probably not the most popular opinion out there, um, and I do see each side of the narrative. But when you look at what Josh Hopple has to do here at Tennessee in terms of recruiting and helping to lock down those in-state borders, who do you think is the most important in-state recruit for Josh Hopple? And for me, it's Dallin Hayden. And I know that, you know, Ty Simpson is, is electric and he's an elite quarterback and guys want to play with elite quarterbacks. We just saw some trickle-down effect from what happened with Georgia and Gunnar Stockton. 
and and I fully understand that. But when you look at Tennessee's quarterback room right now, and I, I'm not saying you ever want to miss on a guy like um, <laughs> on a guy like Ty Simpson because you don't. I think you know you have Alabama that wants him, you have Clemson that wants him, but you have some catch up to do. There there was a great relationship there with with the previous staff. They had courted him for a long time and sold him on being the guy for a long time, but you still got you know, Caden Salter as a freshman. You've got Hendon Hooker here who's got a couple of years of eligibility. You've got Harrison Bailey who's still technically a freshman. Brian Mauer's still currently on the roster. Um, I, for me, it's Dallin Hayden, and it's Dallin Hayden for a couple of reasons. He was just named the Max Preps Player of the Year in the state of Tennessee. Um, he, was a Max, he was a Max Preps All-American. He was a Mr. Football Award winner at the highest level. He's playing at the highest level of competition. He's in Memphis in an area that Josh Heupel is going to have to be able to recruit and recruit well with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, you know, all the other schools that love to come up in there. He's, you know, given Simpson's relationship with others, Hayden has those relationships as well. He's close with Cam Miller, a guy that Tennessee wants. He's close with a lot of other in-state Tennessee prospects. But for me, Dallin Hayden is a Tennessee legacy. He's being courted by Notre Dame and Ohio State heavily. I just I think that that is a marquee win that you need to have go your way in state in 2022. If you're Josh Hopple, you need to keep the Vol legacy in state. You need to beat you know two schools that were in the college football playoffs this year for him to do it and. That's how you start locking down your borders. Obviously, with Simpson, Alabama, and Clemson are were also in the playoffs. But you know, is it is it more of a shock to lose an in-state legacy player or an elite in-state quarterback? I don't know. It's you. You don't want to lose either one of those guys if you're Josh Hopple. But for me, I think given who Dallin Hayden's dad is, the ambassador of the program that he's been in the Memphis area, I just think that Dallin Hayden is the most important recruit in state in the 2022 cycle and I could argue all day long that it's Walter Nolan as well um you know he's going to be at the top of recruiting rankings for the duration of the cycle he is one of the best defenders that I have watched in a long time he was at IMG Academy for a period um over the summer he decided to come back home the IMG Academy staff, we all know how loaded they've been up front, what they produced up front. As a rising junior, they said Walter Nolan was one of the best overall players that they had had come to their campus in five to seven years. So that speaks volumes of what Walter Nolan is. But for me, it's Dallin Hayden. Jake, who do you have? Yeah, Matt, I'm going to go Dallin as well. You know, I, I think in the, the times that I've seen that we've been able to talk to him, not only, you know, what he does on the field, but just the the class and the the way he carries himself off of it. You know, you talk about the, the foundation that he set up to help literacy in Memphis, um, you know, the, the way that he represents the program there at Christian Brothers and what he would bring to Tennessee just in a character aspect and being a really strong guy in that locker room. And, you know, you have the, the legacy aspect, but also just, you know, having that weight and then just obviously being a really strong influence, I think would, would bode very well for him as well. 
um, at Tennessee and, and a guy that, like you said, that, that they desperately need and that would be a really, really big win for Heupel um, to, to be able to have him come to Knoxville. But, you know, there is also another name that, that we haven't really talked about that, that you guys hadn't touched on. You know, you, you talk about athleticism, and obviously, like I said, I, I do think Dallin is the most important get for Tennessee in this 22 class in the state. But another guy that could be really, really viable on both ends of the field for Tennessee is a guy that I've talked to in Milan, Tennessee, Anthony Brown. He can play safety. He can play wide receiver. He can even fill in at quarterback. So I'm a really versatile guy that I've had the pleasure of talking to a lot and, you know, could really make an impact in the locker room as well. He's a high character guy and one that I think that, that hasn't gotten a lot of buzz, but I think that that's a shame because he has offers from Alabama and Tennessee and, you know, even like Virginia Tech and a couple other programs in the ACC. But um, I think Brown is also really one to watch that, that Heifel needs to keep his eye on because you've got your eye on those huge names across the class like Dallin Hayden and like Langston Patterson in Nashville. But, you know, you, you really can't forget about some of those other smaller West Tennessee guys in this class that could be instrumental. And, and like the others across the state in this loaded 22 class, that have grown up wanting to play for Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, again, I'll go back to my point. Obviously, with Ty Simpson, he, he's a guy that we think highly of. Um, a tremendous talent, another tremendous character kid, son of, you know, a, a college head coach, a guy that, you know, gave you an interview, Jake, after losing a playoff game on pretty much a broke ankle. Right. We, we think very, we think very highly of Ty Simpson and, and that and that's not a knock on, on him in any way from, from mine or your perspective. Brandon may say that Ty Simpson is the guy. He saw him a couple of times and um, Brandon, who do you think is the most important get for Tennessee in the 22 class in state? I'm 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 gonna go a one A and one B and I and I do love Ty. I, I got to see him. I was hugely impressed with him.
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the VR2 on SI podcast. It's been a while, but I'm your host, Jack Foster, joined by VR2 on SI writer Jake Nichols. Today, we got a football pod, first one in a while, and the first essentially in football season as we are on the brink of fall camp that starts the 4th of August, which I am stoked for, and I know Jake's stoked for. Today, we're just going to preview those a bit, focusing on linebackers and the secondary. And just to give you guys some info on who we here at VR2 are keeping an extra special eye on. But first, Jake, how you been, man? Man, I'm doing well. Um, you know, getting ready for uh, for football season now with SEC media days over. All eyes are on that Thursday night, September 2nd, against Bowling Green um, to kick off the Josh Heupel era. So I know everyone is stoked about it. Um, I got my email today from Tennessee confirming that I will be uh, in the press box for us all season for um, Sports Illustrated, so I'm incredibly excited about that, and I know I'm excited to, to see you around campus as well, so man, it's it's all looking up right now, and uh, I know we're excited to see everything kick off with Josh Heupel. Absolutely, man. Was that email like a Christmas present to you? Yeah, for sure, it was. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Well, before we get into it, I want to tell you all you guys about Active Travel Company by Dream Vacations. If you're looking to book travel at any time but don't want to do all the work, just contact our friends Beth and Price at Acker Travel Company and let them do the work for you. They're currently sending you a $50 Visa gift card to book with them. I mean, what's there to lose? Just give them a call now to find that dream vacation. All right, Jake, so I mentioned in the intro we're doing linebackers and DBs. So what's the position battles looking like as we go into the start of the season, and who do you think will be atop of the depth charts come September? Um. Well, right now, um, I think that there are several intriguing names that we're looking at, um, but I'm going to start tonight with the defensive backs. So, firstly, um, you know, you go back to Elante Taylor. Um, going back to his appearance at SEC Media Days in Hoover, he talked about just how proud he is to play at Tennessee whenever they ask, you know, why didn't you transfer? Why didn't you follow some of those guys out the door? He talked about how proud he was to play at Tennessee, how much Tennessee means to him as an in-state guy. And it's not just on or not just off the field and tangibles, even though he is a member of the SEC football leadership council, Vol leaders, um, you know, really fulfills that role um, in leadership for the Tennessee football team, but also he is a lockdown corner on the field, and you can't emphasize his importance enough in just the role that he plays as a, a leader on this defense and on this team overall as a guy that Tennessee relies on immensely. Um, whenever, obviously, um, Bryce Thompson has departed for the NFL, but whenever he and Elante came in together, they were kind of that uh, double threat. And so now Alante will um, kind of carry that torch in his senior year. But going on from him, Trevon Flowers, a senior safety, another guy <clears throat> that is a huge impact player for the Vols, 88 tackles in his career so far. He was a three-sport athlete in high school, so he has that versatility to really spearhead that effort from the safety spot, became one of the top playmakers last season after some early injuries. And then his counterpart uh, from Trevon Flowers, we go to Jalen McCullough, a junior veteran. He's a, also the start, a starting safety, plenty of leadership, 14, game, 14 starts, excuse me, 
in 23 games. I expect, obviously, to see Flowers and McCullough filling out those two safety spots and then Alante Taylor filling out one of those corner spots in this Tennessee secondary. Um, Trevon Flowers and Jalen McCullough, I think, performed the best or formed the best one-two punch in the SEC as safety. So they will be nice. quite a duo this season. So, um, you know, uh, McCullough is healthy after dealing with some nagging injuries his sophomore year. Um, so excited to see him make a comeback this fall. Theo Jackson, um, a senior versatility guy, can play nickel, corner, or safety. Um, I expect to see him maybe get a start at nickel this fall. Um, but he is a guy that has reunited with Willie Martinez after Martinez was here in his first stint at Tennessee. Um, Martinez actually recruited Theo Jackson to Tennessee, so they've had a, a longstanding relationship, and that should pay dividends uh, pretty well for Theo's time this fall and then going on to Brandon Turnage one of the newcomers a transfer from Alabama he has four years of eligibility left including that COVID year that athletes are getting so um, should have a lot of experience coming in for Tennessee doesn't have a lot of playing time but he should be a, a solid contributor after coming over from Tuscaloosa Danico Slaughter a really outstanding young guy that should see some pretty good minutes this fall. He had 10 games last year that he played in one start. And like I said, could see a good playing time as a sophomore, um, maybe as a sub early and often. Danico Slaughter going on to him. Um, oh, you just mentioned could, uh, be, or Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Going forward. Uh, sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> reading through this, uh, this list of guys that I have to, to kind of keep an eye on um, Warren Burrell, also another guy that that we could see early, possibly in that other corner spot, aside from Melante Taylor, had a 34-yard interception return for a touchdown in the orange and white game, and we'll see significant playing time this fall. Cayman Marley, um, one of the top guys that Tennessee got in its 2021 recruiting class, but he has had some catching up to do in the spring, did not play football in 2020 because North Carolina canceled for COVID, so um, we'll see, I guess, whenever the ball kicks off, how much Josh Heifel and his team were able to uh, catch Cayman up this spring and summer. Kamal Haddon, one of the nation's top JUCO corners, has three years of eligibility remaining at Tennessee. He was tapped the top five corner prospect by ESPN coming out of high school. So you would expect him to compete well for playing time this fall as well. Deshaun Rucker, another freshman that's really impressed. He is really, really fast, clocked a 10.76 in his 100-meter dash and can really be used anywhere across the secondary, very versatile. Um, Kenneth George, another solid corner that I think could um, compete pretty well for another corner spot. Um, he has plenty of experience in the system and could do a lot this fall for the Vols. And then going on to Tamarian McDonald, a sophomore safety and corner, kind of like Danico Slaughter that could see um, plenty of minutes, had uh, one start last season in seven games, started out with an injury last year, but really ended up getting some nice minutes later in the season. Could have a good backup role and maybe push his way into a role as a starter um, if one of those uh, top guys goes down. And then we're going to finish off with Christian Charles, 
And again, just mentioning guys that I think have really uh, kind of caught our eye so far, not going through the, the whole roster position, but um, ending with Christian Charles, like I said, um, a freshman DB who's shown a lot of upside already, had a couple impressive plays in the spring game. Don't really expect yes, him did. to play a whole lot this year, but, um, you know, I think he's a guy that is going to make it a big impact over his career at Tennessee and that can grow tremendously under Tim Banks and Willie Martinez. So, so that's going to do it for uh, for DBs. But, but yeah, yeah, like I said, Alante Taylor, um, then um, Trevon Flowers and Jalen McCullough, I think, safety. And then I think at that other uh, at that other corner spot, then you might be able to see a guy like Kenneth George um, maybe filling out that other spot. So um, right. So then, out like of I the said, with, uh, with Theo at, at nickel. Sorry, continue. No, you're good. Um, so out of all these newcomers and you know freshmen included, you got Brandon Turnage, Kamal Head. Who do you think will make the biggest impact? I, I feel like that's hard to say. Um, I think out of the newcomers, I would say, um, I would say Cayman Marley. Um, I think given nice. just the, the impact that he's had so far and, and just what we've kind of heard about him. Well, I think actually between him and, uh, and Deshaun Rocker, I think that both of those guys have a lot of upside and that both of them could could see some minutes this fall but you know I think more more than that you would look at uh Tamarian Donald or Danico Slaughter a couple of the sophomores to get some earlier time but as far as as far as the young guys that could could get some early time I would say Deshaun Rucker and Cayman Marley nice nice all right well uh that wraps up DB so you can move on to linebackers who we got so um the first one here is, is pretty obvious and is also one of the best stories in college football, Byron Young, um, a junior linebacker. He's an immediate impact player, has an unbelievable story. Um, well, almost unbelievable, except for the fact that he made it happen. Um, he came from Georgia Military College, played there after seeing a tryout poster while working as an assistant manager at a Dollar General. And he has got a ton of skills on the field and will be an immediate impact guy for the balls at one of those linebacker spots. The coaching staff absolutely loves him. The players love him. And it should be really, really fun to watch him. I think he's going to soar for Tennessee and is, is going to really fill out that role as, like I said, one of the best stories in college football that, you know, that I don't think nearly enough people are talking about nor have noticed. So um, I think it'll be really, really exciting to, uh, to watch him flourish in this system and to get some recognition that he richly, richly deserves. Um, after that comes another one that is not a surprise, but could make an, but will, excuse me, make an immediate impact. That's Juwan Mitchell um, from Texas. <clears throat> and he comes in as the Longhorns leading tackler in the fall of 2020 after transferring from Austin, has two seasons of eligibility remaining, so still plenty of time to make a huge impact on Rocky Top. And, you know, given the, the recent Texas and Oklahoma news, it's not like Mitchell will be facing his former teammates in, in a conference game anytime soon, but that does create a, a small interesting tidbit with the thought of, you know, his former team 
coming to the SEC here in a few years. Um, 13 starts in 21 games for Mitchell on the 40 acres. He was an all-conference performer in junior college. And I think we could see him immediately fill one of those starting linebacker spots at one of the inside roles um, for Tennessee. And, you know, uh, when you look, I, I didn't mention this starting out with linebackers, but when you look at how decimated that group was back in the spring with, um, with you know, long snapper Will Albright, who played linebacker at Greenville some, um, filling in in those drills at linebacker this spring with Roman Harrison and Jeremy Banks out and with so many questions around that position, looking at the depth that those guys have now and the talent that Josh Heifel has brought in is really impressive. And, and you know, obviously a couple of those key spots go to – um, Jawan Mitchell and Byron Young. So going right. on from those guys, you look at William Mohan as a redshirt freshman, has four, four seasons, excuse me, of eligibility after transferring from Michigan. He's reuniting with the uh, with Tennessee's linebackers coach, Brian Jean Marie, who came from Michigan this past spring. So we'll see if that uh, familiarity creates any early playing time for him. And then Bryson Eason, um, obviously from Memphis, one of those two Whitehaven guys that's still with the team, along with the aforementioned Marion McDonald in the secondary. Um, Eason played in six games in 2020, could have a breakout campaign in 2021 at one of those outside linebacker spots. Um, I expect him to, to possibly get a start at one of those. Um, he was a two-time high school All-State selection who has raved about his time at Tennessee. And kind of like Alante Taylor um, did, uh, Bryson Eason has shown a lot of leadership, and especially as far as his decision to stay at Tennessee when so many others walked. Taylor, you know, like I said, mentioned earlier that that he was um, an in-state guy and mentioned how much Tennessee meant to him. And Bryson Eason kind of echoed that in his media availability and said, I looked at it as I chose Tennessee and that he wanted to be a Vol. So, you know, that he didn't necessarily choose the coaching staff that he chose this program and this history um, to be a part of. And I think that really says a lot about him. And, and whenever he said that, I know it really endeared him to a lot of Tennessee fans. So um, a lot of people will be, uh, I guess, now with the, the NIL laws, um, we'll see if anybody's rocking Bryson Eaton jerseys this fall. But then after that, you go to Quasi Garland, a redshirt sophomore who could see time on defense in the fall, but he's also made more of an impact on special teams. Uh, moved from DB to linebacker halfway through last season. So we'll see if that has any effect um, going forward this fall. And then uh, – Could be Roman kind of like Harrison. an Isaiah Simmons type. Yeah, yeah, like that. Um, Roman Harrison, one of the few linebackers that Tennessee had, like I said, um, in the decimated room before Josh Heupel raided the transfer portal – He's played in 21 games with plenty of experience, obviously limited during the spring of 2021, but expect him to make an immediate effect so long as he is fully healthy this fall. Jeremy Banks, another one of those guys that missed time this spring because of injuries, um, had some offseason surgery that he's recu recuperated from, but a guy that Tennessee fans have grown to like since Jeremy Pruitt reinstated him. Um, Banks, obviously very physical, just like he was as a running back before his switch before 2019 season, um, has tallied 38 career tackles on Rocky Top and could alternate early and often 
with Juwan Mitchell or Byron Young at one of those inside spots, I think. Solon Page, the third, a fifth-year guy with plenty of experience, um, but also a guy that can contribute plenty on special teams. And then lastly, wrapping up with Aaron Willis. I got a chance to see Aaron in person last fall whenever his team, Life Christian, played at Macaulay in Chattanooga, and he fit the bill immediately. Uh, man, that guy uh, filled gaps like almost no one I've ever seen. He was quick, effective, um, just had a few monstrous tackles and was really, really impressive all night long. Um, and he seems to have integrated himself well at Tennessee and in this locker room, um, you know, with his personality and with the way that he's vibed with different guys. So I would expect to see Aaron Willis kind of like Christian Charles in the secondary, maybe not getting some playing time immediately, but expect to see him flourish in this Tennessee system and, and become much more prominent in the next couple of years. But, um, you know, when, like I said before, when you look at how um, this linebacker group has changed from the spring going into this fall, it's really amazing to see how it's grown and how that talent has expanded. And now this group is, uh, you know, once one of Tennessee's most glaring um, points is now, I think, one of its most threatening on the defense just with the the talent that Josh Heupel has brought in and the experience on uh, on multiple spots at inside and outside linebacker, but also obviously DBs, a heavy position of depth, and one Tennessee has uh, really ample choices to uh, to go from. So both of those are really exciting um, spots to watch this fall. And like Jack said earlier, this is, you know, just the start of our fall camp preview. So we're going to be taking a look at several other positions across the field before Tennessee starts fall camp on August 4th. And then whenever uh, they start fall camp, we will have all of that with you from Haslam Field. So um, just the start of a uh, another very exciting season of Tennessee football. And Jack, like we talked about earlier, just a, a really exciting start to the Josh Heupel area going over a couple of these guys on the defensive side. Absolutely, man. And uh, I just wanted to ask a quick question about the linebackers. Do you feel like it's yeah. pretty much a slam dunk that Jawan Mitchell will make the biggest impact out of the newcomers in that position group? Yeah, no doubt about it. Right. Okay. Probably the biggest defense on the – or biggest impact on well, the defense. Well, I take, take that back. I, I would actually – I think I would divide it actually between him and Byron Young. Because, really? you know, ex experience-wise, um, you know, you look at Juwan Mitchell because he's had that experience at Texas and, and brings a wealth of knowledge and, um, and talent to this Tennessee roster. But I think also as far as impact off the field and, you know, the ability to create opportunities for yourself and to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps to get where you want to go, not just on the field, but in life, I think that's <laughs> pure Byron Young. And so, you know, I think there are lessons that both of these guys could teach different players in their position room, but also across this roster. So I would, I would divide it equally between those two. Yeah, and I mean, let's just applaud, you know, Josh Heupel for losing Henry Toa Toa, but bringing in two standout linebackers to really – uh, 
probably not even make us miss Henry Toto that much. I mean, we're going to miss him. Obviously, he's a stud, but, you know, we got good replacements here, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think it uh, it should be interesting to, to see how they fill those roles. And, you know, it, uh, it will certainly be um, – interesting whenever Tennessee takes on Toto in Tuscaloosa <laughs> the, the storylines will be ample yes sir and props to Juwan Mitchell for choosing the real UT you know he's coming home there you go <laughs> yeah gotta well, gotta throw that in there given that Texas might be coming to the SEC huh oh or, I know or, or will at this point but you know they gotta, can't go gotta back throwing some props just to make sure if Texas comes to the SEC they can't go by UT like just can't happen if they do, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I guess, I guess nothing, <laughs> but it's, it's just a principle. It's a principle, Jake. Okay. I guess we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that and then um, let you guys decide how Jack should react. <laughs> okay. I'll come on the podcast for five minutes and just rant. How about that? I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I need to see more action than that, but I guess we'll let it slide. Well, we're going to have to wait four years if it even happens. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, Jake, I guess that's it for today's pod. Uh, we'll be back soon with another uh, pod pre- talking about fall camp, talking about other position groups, but uh, it will be definitely soon, probably next week. Jake, what do you got planned for the rest of the week, man? Um, man, just uh, digging more into uh, the Tennessee roster and, and trying to prepare as much as I can for fall camp getting rolling. Awesome, man. Well, today's my birthday. I'm about to go to a little shindig my uncle's throwing, so it's going to be great. And the uh, rest of the week, I'm just working, preparing to spend a lot of money on campus this semester. <laughs> man, I, I did forget about that. Happy birthday. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks. No, you're good, bro. Thanks. Nasty 19, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I uh, I don't think you can count on Texas baking you a cake. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh yeah, everybody. I hope you all have a great week. Be sure and follow VR2 on SI on all your socials. Uh, follow Jake at jnichols underscore 2121 on the socials along with me. I'm at Jack Foster TV. We love all of y'all's support, which allows us to do what we love week in and week out, and that is to talk Tennessee sports. Stay tuned for another football pod, hopefully coming next week, like I said. And I'm Jack Foster. For Jake Nichols, we will catch all of you wonderful people next time.